Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Azure. This episode is sponsored by Solveto. Stay ahead of the game and advance your career with continuous learning opportunities for Azure cloud professionals. Solvetu, EduHouse, learning as a lifestyle. Start your journey now on eduhouse.fi slash cloud pro. I'm Tobias, I'm back again with UC. What's up? Hey Tobias, some in the audience might recall that I built the hardware rack cabinet last fall when we moved into the new house. So it's it's a half-size cabinet or half-height, if you will, about 22 units. And I'm not too happy how it turned out. It works. All the gear mostly fits in there, but it's it doesn't look nice. The cables and the wires are not neatly aligned. <laughs> and, and there are many things I would now do differently after six or eight months. So each morning when I wake up, that's the first thing on my mind. I want to get it fixed. I want to disassemble that, clean it, put everything back in, a, in in the proper order and rewire everything. But the problem is that the stars are not aligning. I do not have this optimal spot of time where nobody's needing fast internet access for hours in our household, and I would have enough free time to actually get it done. So hopefully this coming weekend that will happen. I could kind of feel that coming. Uh, you know, everything is now, everything is in place and whatever. But I need to, I need to tinker with my home Azure setup, yes. <laughs> my own cloud, <laughs> just a little bit. So on my side, I started going to the gym. I think I may or may not have mentioned that in a previous episode, because I, I do a lot of road biking, I do a lot of exercising on the bike, and a lot of endurance and, and that type of training. But now I'm at my second week at the gym, so I already have about six or seven visits to the gym. So every other day I go. Uh, they have a sauna, and uh, most of the days I get in there, I ask them to turn on the sauna if it's not already, and then I go crunch some abs or whatever makes me happy for that day. Then I go and sit and relax and contemplate on life a little bit in the sauna. It's really nice. So I'm starting to get the the finished lifestyle that you have. Like you go to the gym and then you sit in the sauna and, and you just hit each other with some rooms or whatever you do. And then, you know, I go back to work or if it's later in the afternoon, might go, you know, have, turn on the grill and have a barbecue with the family before jumping on another meeting or so. I absolutely love it. It feels like just getting started with using my muscles, like the other muscle groups in my body it gives me a lot more energy than just the endurance training. Because working out, which I do almost every day, it's been awesome for my brain, like for my energy levels, for just staying alert throughout the entire day, the entire evening, early in the morning. I never have problem with, you know, dips or falling asleep or being tired. But since I started going to the gym and, and using different types of muscle groups, that changes a lot um, for the for the better. So interesting to see how this goes. And hopefully I can stick with you know, the, the routine of going every other day for at least a couple of months. I, I love hearing that you're going to the gym. Uh, and on the sauna, yes, I agree. One day I will share a story of my first and only and last time I went to a sauna in Germany. It really is not the same <laughs> as what we think the sauna should be. <laughs> so next up, the community highlights. So we have a couple of are interesting articles that we've been reading recently. The, the first one is from the NSA, and they've released best practices for securing your home networks. 
how do you secure routing devices, implement wireless network segmentation, and ensure confidentiality during your team's meetings and whatnot. Yeah, I like that one. Definitely on my bucket list to to read. And the other one that I found is from Yoav Dobrin about ML ops and GitHub Actions. And that article explains how to use GitHub Actions and Azure Machine Learning to automate the process of training and deploying a machine learning model. And that covers kind of the basics of ML ops and provides a working example as well. And because AI is such a hot, hot topic now, we're also seeing a huge increase in machine learning, training your machine learning models and large language models and all these things. So, um, you know, definitely good timing for, for that as well. So we'll put the links to that in the show notes. Yeah, that definitely looks interesting. So today's episode is Azure updates. Interesting updates uh, on Azure that we've been monitoring. And we both have our list of updates. Um, I think I have a few more than you do. So let me let me get started on this one. And this is something that I've been waiting for a long time. And it's now generally available. Azure Bastion now supports shareable links. And the idea with this obviously is that when you enroll Azure Bastion for remote access to your VMs typically, when you enroll that one, the problem has been that you now need to guide your users to first open Azure Portal, find the VM, open Azure Bastion, and, and do the whole hula hoop through there. But now you can have a shareable link, which when you click on that one, it will immediately connect with Azure Bastion and will do the authentication in there. So it's a small addition, but it's generally available. It works for uh, peered installations, meaning if you have one or multiple VNets or a single installation where you connect directly with them with the closest VM. All right, that's a nice update. My first update is around Azure Container Storage, which is now in preview. So that's in public preview and it's it's awesome. So I worked a lot with containers. So, you know, this is a finally type of moment for me, a native volume volume management service for containers. You get a consistent experience across different types of storage offerings, including like managed options, Azure Disk and the ephemeral disk on container services. It's simplified deployment of persistent volumes. You get high scale, cost efficiency, high performance, and it's also a, a resilient storage solutions for your containers. Uh, so the container land is happier for it, of course. You can use this to like accelerate VMs to container initiatives. Uh, simplify volume management with Kubernetes, uh, reducing the total cost of ownership or the TCO. And this is something that I always love to talk about, where you can kind of improve cost efficiency by increasing the scale of persistent volumes and uh, that's supported uh, per pod or node, if, if you use, for example, Kubernetes. So you can reduce the storage resources needed for provisioning by dynamically then sharing the storage resources. So those are, are kind of some of the things that you get with Azure Container Storage. There are some benefits like rapid scale out of stateful pods. Uh, you have improved performance for stateful workloads. Um, you have Kubernetes native volume orchestration, all these things. So there's a bunch of benefits and uh, you know a bunch of use cases for this. And I know a lot of customers that I used to work with um, who are now living in you know container land, they, they have a lot of things operated and operating uh, within the realms of one container orchestration or, or another. 
they're going to be happy about this. I absolutely love this update. So you don't have to kind of do your disk management and then you have to do your um, cluster management and then you kind of have to tie those together. Now you can just use Azure Container Storage and kind of do that natively. So an awesome update uh, preview right now, Azure Container Storage. What's next? That's, that's, that's awesome. I'll definitely take that for a spin tonight. Uh, next on my list, and it seems that today I mostly have uh, features that are generally available. Azure Backup Server version 4 now available. And I all I'm going to say is finally, because I struggled quite a bit deploying this for a customer, and I'm also running this at home. And I'm running MABS, the Azure Backup Server version 3 now at home. And it is problematic. It requires a specific version of SQL components. It requires a specific hotfix on Windows Server 2019 and so on. So the new version supports natively Windows Server 2022 and SQL 2022. Uh, and also it brings support for Azure Stack HCI if you're running that. Support for using private endpoints when you're backing up your VMs on Hyper-V, VMware. Um, physical servers, you're backing all those up to Azure. Now you can also employ private. So I haven't deployed or upgraded to this one yet because I first need to unassemble my hardware rack cabinet and then I get to upgrade everything. <laughs> but um, what I fear is that the, the deployment experience is still a bit of the same because this is based on the uh, Microsoft DPM server, the data protection manager, I think. It used to be called from 2010 or so. So the whole experience is, is it, it really feels like 15 years old, even if the components are more modern now. So I'm anxiously waiting to, to get to update to this one to see how it works. Yeah. Every time I hear something like Azure backup something, I'm like, wow, did they finally now fix so you can backup storage accounts, including queues and tables and everything? No, they did not yet. But we have old tools like AZ Copy and all this stuff that we've used for for doing that for ages using PowerShell or the CLI. Um, but yeah, every time I hear Azure Backup or something around backing stuff up in Azure, I'm like, did they fix the table backup? Did they? Because we had like when I was using Azure Tables, we had like billions of entries in tables, and no native way to back that up, which perhaps is a bit troublesome. But my next update. It's now in GA, uh, and this is Azure Monitor for SAP solutions. So Azure Monitor for SAP solutions gives you this kind of turnkey Azure, you know, native end-to-end -end technical monitoring for any customers running uh, SAP applications on Azure. And this means you can collect end-to-end -end telemetry data from SAP NetWeaver databases, high availability Linux pacemaker clusters, and also Linux operating systems in a uh, like central location within Azure portal. So you get everything rolled up into Azure Monitor. It takes only a few minutes and requires no infrastructure to deploy uh, or maintain. So for, for the customer, this is really easy. And some of the new capabilities here is SAP Landscape Monitor, which is a, like a one-stop destination for learning about the health of your entire SAP landscape. You have SAP Insights. That's in preview. So even if Azure Monitor for SAP Solutions is GA, this specific thing, SAP Insights, that's in preview. That allows you to easily kind of identify the root cause for any SAP application availability or performance issues. 
And then there's a bunch of additional updates like added alert templates for CPU, memory, and disk I.O. Uh, performance and you know a bunch of other things as well. And I really like this because there's a lot of customers talking about SAP and how to operate SAP and how to deploy that to VMs or how do you, how do you manage your, your SAP environment in Azure and things like that. One of the things that uh, I was recently asked is around how do I monitor that? Like, how do I get a holistic picture of my observability? I want to understand observability in my organization. And that includes all the monitoring of all the technical kind of services and applications they have running. So how do you get this like single pane of glass for observability to understand the technical landscape you have? So, and, and they used SAP as well. So this is an awesome step in that direction. Like using the Azure monitor for SAP solutions, you kind of get that ingrained and integrated into the same uh, pane of glass that you have everything else for monitoring, which is usually in Azure monitor. So this is awesome. It's in GA. So if you do use SAP solutions, then you can start looking into Azure Monitor for SAP solutions. I'm quite sure that I'm I'm too young to ever deploy any SAP solutions on top of <laughs> Azure. I, I feel I should be 70 plus years old. Then I could embrace <laughs> the beauty of, of SAP. So next on my list, and this is a brief one, uh, generally available now is a new cloud region for Azure in Poland. And this is the first one in Central Europe. I sort of missed the announcement when this was in preview, perhaps because I've been more focused on, on Sweden Central and the upcoming Finland Central, which is coming in, in, in three or so years. So Poland, this is interesting, and I'm quite sure people in that region will will swiftly migrate to using that one. Yeah, that's that's great news. And I I really love that, you know, the Azure regions just keeps expanding. And whenever you read an announcement like this, you know, I, I start to reflect like how big is this? This it's pretty big, right? Uh, the update that we just read it's it can be like, oh, there's a new region here in Poland. But it's a you know entire new data centers, so much staffing, so many new jobs, the opportunities. Like it's doing so much for the local region where it's deployed as well. Because we also got one in Sweden recently, the Sweden Central or the yeah whatever it's called. So there's a lot of considerations around it that I just start contemplating about. Like what does this mean for the local region? And like when you see that they roll these things out continuously. Oh, there's a new region here. There's a new region there. Just imagine these are entire data centers with everything included for operating a fully functioning data center, which is quite a lot. Pretty cool. Anyway, I'm done contemplating on that part of life. My next update is also in GA. So this is now available. This is policy analytics for Azure Firewall. So Azure Firewall uh, configurations, they can update daily or sometimes even hourly to meet like the growing application needs you have and to respond to a changing threat landscape. Obviously, this will depend on how big uh, your deployment is and you know what kind of stuff you're operating. If you do things at high scale, you know it's not uncommon that your IT department will go and, and just update the configurations in Azure Firewall regularly. So sometimes that do happen hourly or daily or weekly. Uh, whatever cadence you have doesn't really matter. And often, changes are rolled out by multiple admins in your company across different geographies. So it can happen at kind of any time by any of the admins. And 
you know, if, if you worked in that area, then then you might know that firewall configurations, they can grow in a perhaps suboptimal way, impacting the firewall performance and security. Because you can just start adding rules. You can just start adding a bunch of stuff on there. And then, you know, it might not be optimized for performance anymore uh, or even for security. Uh, policy analytics. So um, that's the GA feature I'm talking about, policy analytics for Azure Firewall. So with policy analytics, that helps you kind of address some of those challenges and provide you visibility into the traffic flowing through the firewall. And you get features like firewall flow logs, uh, rules to flow match, uh, rule hit rate, and single rule analysis. You can kind of look into what happens with this one rule that I set up. Is it working? What's happening? Do I get any traffic to it? Because I, I really was missing that when I was operating a lot of security. And, you know, when I set up the perimeter security and I had things deployed in, in Azure, which I still do to some extent, but with perhaps less criticality today, when I was doing this, that's kind of a key missing piece that I had. I really needed to understand, to better understand, is the traffic actually going the way we intended to? Is it flowing the right way? Is it being hit by the you know the right rules? And what happens after that rule has processed it? So I think like the rule hit rate, it's going to give you that number saying, all right, the majority of traffic will go through this deny rule, which is what you want or not want. And, and a single rule analysis will tell you, all right, for this one rule that you set up, which is one of your more critical rules, you can now see what happens. I absolutely love this. So you can use the Azure portal to kind of refine Azure firewall rules easily and, and kind of configure this stuff and then go dive into the uh, policy analytics. And that kind of brings me back to, uh, you know, just starting talking about these things. It brings me back to a lot of the situations I've been setting up perimeter networking, security, stuff like that. So I think 100% we need to do a full episode on Azure Firewall and configuring policies and diving into the policy analytics and stuff like that, because I think that's going to be very beneficial. I learned a lot just reading these updates. I learned a lot when working with it in the field, and this is a key missing feature. So hallelujah, I am so happy this is now there. Unfortunately, I'm not you know, deploying perimeter security at the same kind of cadence I used to do, uh, but maybe that's a good thing as well. That's that's an interesting one. I would hope that in the future we would get the same capability for web application firewalls and front door as well, because I still see more WAF and FD and much less Azure Firewall, mostly because for historical reasons on, on pricing and capabilities. Alrighty, um, the last two on my list are both for Azure Storage. The first one is in public preview. And this is for Azure cold storage. So historically, you've had hot, cool, and archive. So cold storage is positioned between cool and archive. It's about half the cost of cool and about three times more than archive. And the idea is, is to get the 90-day early deletion policy in here and also to be able to move files between these tiers. Perhaps you put something in hot and you use lifecycle management to keep moving those blobs and files from hot to cool to cold to archive. Um, and the other one that I have is something called the Azure Storage Mover, which is now generally available. I don't think we've mentioned this before either. Uh, so this is a hybrid solution where you deploy an 
agent on a VM hosted on Hyper-V in on-premises, you point the agent to any of your file shares on a NAS or a server, and you say, please migrate these to Azure storage. So it, it's a bit like Azure files and uh, the, the, the capability you have in there to, to, to keep hot and cool files in, in on-premises and in the cloud. But this is a permanent migration solution. I haven't tried this yet, but it feels like it's a better AZ copy, which is a command line tool. This is now more of a real product. Alrighty, I think those were all the updates that we had. Make sure to check the show notes because we have all the links to all of this and the community highlights as well. The last bit is the unexpected question. And Toby, based on, on my bookkeeping, it's going to be my turn to ask you, are you ready? All right, hit me. What's the least understood vegetable? Like the one that you think everyone should like, but for some odd reason they don't. Wow. Okay, so I, I love vegetables. I eat a lot of veggies and I even replace a lot of meat with you know vegetarian options, but that's a different story. Okay, so so there are two things coming to mind here. So number one, obviously, is the Brussels sprout. You don't hear people talk about Brussels sprout when, whenever you go to a dinner, whenever you're going to a party, whenever you go to friends, nobody gives you Brussels sprouts. These are, I think, rich in vitamins and fiber. It's very important you don't overcook them. You should serve them fresh boiled and put a bit of butter on them that just melts nicely down and then a pinch of sea salt. And then you need nothing else. It, they are awesome. Like, try it out. If you don't like Brussels sprouts or if you don't think you like Brussels sprouts, try that. Just a little pinch of butter, a little pinch of salt. They're amazing. It's absolutely fantastic. It goes well with a steak if you want to have that, whatever you want. Um, the other thing that came to mind is artichokes. So I think these are pretty rich in like antioxidants and got a good set of vitamins and minerals as well. They don't have a lot of calories but they do have a lot of good. So put them on a pizza, steam bake them and use them to dip in some hummus or some other nice thing. Or why not just have them pickled? Because you can have like for, for tapas, we have that a lot. We have tapas like twice a week. I love it. And every time we have artichokes, which is like the pickled version or however you, they're in some kind of olive oil, I think, or some kind of oil. So maybe not pickled, but they're conserved however you call them in English, I have actually no idea. They are awesome. You can put those on a pizza as well. You can you can do a lot of things with those. So for the tapas, it goes very well with some tapenade and with some crackers and some good cheese and maybe some good ham from, from Italy, obviously. Really good stuff. Now, for some reason, I'm starting to get hungry and now I just want to eat. Thank you. Wow, Brussels sprouts. The last time I had those was in 1985, at the <laughs> ripe age of eight. And my, my parents forced me to eat one. And I, I, I vowed to myself, I, mean, I will never eat these again. But now, now that you're mentioning it, I might give them a new chance after, you know, 38 more years of and contemplating on this. And, and after you've managed to possibly eat one avocado, because I, I remember avocado and something else, broccoli. These are the two things yeah. we've talked about. In the three years we've done this show, 
avocados and broccoli are the two things you mentioned you don't eat. Um, so I, I think now we have a bucket list of three things we need to get UC to try. Yeah, those three will be my kryptonite. Let's see. <laughs> Let's see how it goes. Alrighty, thank you for joining us. See you next week. See you then. 